Welcome to Their Very Best, a podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications. I'm Waldron Faulkner. And I'm Bill Noto. Thanks for joining us for wild, unsolicited opinions about the strokes. It's a classic episode, Bill. It isn't a classic, actually. It's a guided tour of the Strokes. A guided I am tour in the dark, man. I don't know the Strokes at all. I, I find so. I find this confounding. How is this possible? It's possible because I lead a blinkered, blind existence through the music world, where I latch on to the things that I love and I listen to them over and over and over again, and I never branch out. And so. <laughs> I've learned more new music in the past six months. Well, I guess it's been nine months almost since we've been doing this podcast that, you know, I mean. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, by the way. I mean, I think it's very easy to stop discovering new music at a certain point in life. Well, I'll tell you about the Strokes. So I discovered the Strokes in like 2001, and I shouldn't say discovered. I was introduced to the music of the Strokes from my friend Justin Jaffe, who was my old oldest friend, my dear friend. We lived together in California, and he was like, you should check these guys out. And he shared with me the Strokes' Is This It album, which I think he got on Napster. I'm not sure about that. But he definitely had it like before it was released somehow. It sounds like it's right in right in the sweet spot for Napster. It was awesome and I was I was impressed that he was still able to find like new music that was great that wasn't on the radio. I didn't know how we did it. new music it was, too, right? That's that is new music. At the time it was. Yeah. So, one other thing I'll say about these guys before we start listening to the tunes. I was in New York City in drum school like in the in the time that these guys were succeeding. You know, I went to drum school in like 2002, and I think Ben Barton in an earlier episode talked about all these different bands that were picked up by record labels because they were looking for anything that was like Strokes-ish or like the Strokes. And basically, if you were like a rock band from New York City, you were like potentially like the Strokes and you'd get a contract. Yeah, you missed it. That's how he described it? You missed it, Bill. Well, no, I, it's just a lie. <laughs> that's a myth because I, w I was not the only band that was not getting picked up there were many other bands also yeah. not getting picked well, up well I think probably what he means is they signed a dozen whereas they would normally sign one or two and there were 200 or 400 bands that wanted to be signed anyway absolutely, so absolutely. I was thinking the same thing when he was saying that stuff because I was in New York in 2000, 2001, 2002 and it was one of the most prolific periods that I've had as a songwriter and creator of music which is to say maybe one of the only prolific periods after graduation and I was not playing with other musicians I was, you know, Studio Waldron sitting in my little hot apartment making God. the songs all by myself Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Whereas I was in like every available rehearsal space <laughs> playing with like like auditioning with bands I would find on Craigslist and a couple of so them. I'm surprised we didn't meet. I'm not. You were alone in your room. <laughs> you know? Well, that's the way I went through school too. You know, I went through uh, when I was at Berkeley, I would just sit in the basement 
writing these giant uh, scores and opus, opus Walter exactly and trying to get them played you know like each one of them would be diligently copied into parts for a for a jazz oh, uh, big band on, uh, orchestra uh, because that's all that was available to me then and they'd be played once or twice you know yeah. and and yeah. I could hear them wow. that way what a scene that's wild Tell me the strokes, man. So here's the deal with the strokes. They are awesome. They're known for short, great albums. At least the first two albums and the most recent album are like that. And those are the three. I'm going to talk about songs from those three albums because those are the albums I like. And I think they might happen to be the best albums. Have you have you explored these other three? I haven't. Even, I haven't even bothered. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, you know. I, I very well could be ignoring important work. I don't think I am, but... You might be. need a part two, and probably mm-hmm. some dissenter will have to guest host with us. Yeah. So let's start with Soma. So am I, is it true you've, you haven't listened to any of these songs? This I've listened Soma. to the to the favored Spotify ones. Spotify. I listened to a lot of these. I listened to this whole album and a couple of others also. And All right, good. So, like, you can see the songs that we're going to be listening to today. Most of them are tight two minutes and 30 seconds. Two minutes and 33 seconds. They do this get in and get out. It's tight. It's constructed. I like the sound a lot. There's, like, a low-fidelity microphone thing the lead singer does. It's all about... Drums, guitar, bass, with occasional synthesizer. I'm not sure I love the lo-fi mic sound. Mm-hmm. It seems maybe affect. Maybe they didn't need it. They've already got the grungy guitars, right? They don't. I don't know if they need the lo-fi mic. Uh-huh. But you know, this is their first album, and you forgive them. <laughs> you indulge them their little foibles. Totally. Waldron, when you were entering the world leaving your suburban roots. Did you notice that the kids that grew up in New York seemed cooler than you? Kids that grew up in New York City were like considerably cooler. Did you notice that? Well, Bill, it depends on where you count me on the Dunning-Kruger curve, right? (laughs) So I think that there's, you know, probably at the time that I went to Berkeley, Mm -hmm. I thought of myself as being tremendously cool myself and probably wasn't paying enough attention to realize how uncool I was or, or, (laughs) you know, like what, uh, and there were plenty of kids from New York, but I was already an odd duck at Berkeley. Like, yeah, I hear you. You think these kids, these are the cool kids? I think, I think these are the kids who seem cool to me. And, you know, who knows what that says about me being from, you know, Virgin Tunnel, Maplewood, New Jersey. I'm going to put on the next song, which is Last Night. It's another song from the same album. And by the way, it was very hard for me to whittle it down to these seven songs. Really? You've already got the 
galactic problem with it. I do, but partly because their albums are so short, and all, all the, the first two albums and the last album are mostly bangers. I know this one, of course. I love the tempo. I love the I love the drum beat. Yeah. When you were in drum school in New York and these kids were making this stuff, or I guess this had already been released, but would this have seemed beneath you as a drummer? No. So, like, here's the thing for me as a drummer. Like, I started playing drums when I was 25 years old or 24 years old. Pretty old to pick up an instrument and then, like, try and pursue it. Yeah. So, I, I was aware of my incompetence. <laughs> right. So you just started at the bottom of the Dunning Kruger trough, whereas I might still be at the top of that curve. I I was aware of like how much I had to learn, you know, and I could play something like this, and I was like psyched that I could play something like this. But there's so much more that's much more complicated that I couldn't play. But I didn't I didn't look down on something like this at all. I feel like it's hard to come up with a sound like this if you don't have a garage to play in. You know, I mean, maybe they're, by the time they like found themselves in Williamsburg hanging out together, they were all already like expert in their instruments and just sort of created this sound as a, as a target rather than as a, like a stage along their evolution of musical. I, I wish I knew more about their biography because I'd share it with our our dear listeners, but I don't really know. Alright, we're pivoting next to the next album, so I'm just going to pause and say the next album we're going to listen to are a couple tracks from Room on Fire. And we're going to hear 1251, Whatever Happened, an automatic stop. And I'm just going to let it play so we can talk while it's going. Will we have time for talking? Because, I mean, dude. They're short. Yeah, they're short. These, yeah. They, this, this episode might not require any edits. <laughs> so short. My dream come true. While this is playing, I'll say one other thing. There's a place that, there's a bar, I don't know if it's still there, in New York City, where after the high school prom, everyone in my high school who was capable of doing this and wanted to, <laughs> went to this bar in New York City. It's called Desmond's. And someone knew that we could, they would serve us beer there. And, you know, we were 18, so that wasn't technically legal, but we knew we'd be able to be served beer there as 18-year-olds. And uh, it was a great time. We all took, we had like cars for the prom that we all took to the place and it was a fun night. Several years later, I'm a drummer in a band called Space Cake and we get a gig at Desmond's Tavern. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm playing Desmond's Tavern and it's still here. And not only was it still there, but the people who had become the Strokes, like the, the people who were like 17 year old New York City kids were hanging out there drinking beer. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> right. I felt like I was with the people who would be 
later turn into the Strokes, who were like the more sophisticated New York City kids. And I feel like something about this song makes me think of those kids in that bar and identifies <laughs> with that urbanity. Desmond's Tavern, 433 Park Ave. That's it. So I guess you found it. Permanently closed, Bill, and it reminds me of the truth of New York, which is that, and some really talented writer came up with this idea, but it's that we all fall in love with and remember most fondly the New York that existed when we first discovered New York. And as uh, the city travels ever away from what it once was, as it as it must, as that particular city always does. Yeah, the less we love it. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, for sure. Okay, here comes whatever happened, and I want you to pay attention to the drum beat here, particularly the second half of the drum beat. Boom, 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 and so just my, my drumming ear picked up on the E's and the U's of the syncopated bass notes in the three and the four beats of the, of the verse section, which we're listening to now. It's this boom, 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 And then there's like a bunch of eighth notes. And now listen to this. So pay attention to this drum beat because you're going to hear it again on the next song. Here it is in the chorus. Boom, boom, cock, cock, boom, boom, cock, cock, boom, boom, cock, cock, boom, cock, cock, cock. So <laughs> I later completely stole this drum beat from one of the songs we were writing in Space Cake called Mothership, which hopefully Joshua Kennedy recognizes. Mm-hmm. Borrowed. It was influenced by. <laughs> Anyway, the thing I like about the verse part, which we're not hearing right now, is that it reminds me of the Led Zeppelin song we covered as a little group, whatever that was, last spring, last fall? I don't know when we were making that. Over the Hills and Far Away. Yeah, Over the Hills and Far Away. I just like the syncopation of moving the bass note over 1 16th so that it, it starts on those measures on the downbeats, but then it's hitting on those 16th E's and U's. So is it a bunch of high school friends and it's still the same high school friends and they just kept their band and did what all the high school bands dream of, which is to get signed and become huge and it's all the same people or? To my knowledge, it's still all the same people. That's great. I love that. I think there were years when they were, when their success caught up to them and the you know, the perils of young rock success can be dangerous. Yeah. But I think they've, I think they managed to pull through it. This one is automatic stop. Now pay attention, here comes the drum beat. (laughs) The same one. (laughs) As the choruses, more or less. Well, they're not doing the three snares in a row. Instead, they're just doing the part where it's the two snares in a row. Right. It's the same. Now, this is the chorus from the last song, as far as the drums go. (laughs) 
surprised that you thought that this was a band that I would just know and love. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's not that I don't like it, it's that this is a Bill band. This is straight ahead, no BS, just play the song, play your part, come up with a cool drum part, have a cool sound, and write a tight song. To me, that's a Bill band. It's a tight song, yeah. But I mean, I also like some meandering things, too. It's very much not jazz rock <laughs> or yeah. rock influenced by jazz. Yeah, right? and they didn't go into the subway to record, you know, the L train, uh, you know, sounds to layer that on top of their album, like uh, TV on the radio guys maybe maybe did. Right, right. right. And now look, we've got the syncopation again. Boom, 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 buka. Right. So like, this drummer is having a lot of fun going back and forth between these two beats across these two different songs. His name is Fabrizio Moretti, by the way. And then we're going to skip ahead many decades to The New Abnormal, which is really a perfect album name for an album that came out during the pandemic. Right. It's kind of ideal. It sounds like it is the same chord progression as from other songs on the albums that we just listened to. I think they might use that chord progression a lot. Now, this album, it comes out many decades later, right? So this, this one, it's like 2019. So I think they've had their early successes and then maybe like their lives were unhinged for a little while. Hmm. And then they kind of pulled it back together. So I think there's a little bit of an older, more mature thing going on in the songs. Did you hear that chorus just there? Yeah. It's a great line. I want new friends, but they don't want me. <laughs> to me, that... That speaks of maturity and life's travails. Is this Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus? Yeah. How do you feel about the title of this song? Too Clever by Half? It's it's a little punny. Yeah. But listen to this for a second. Listen, listen. False. Break. <laughs> It's a long way to go. It's a long way to go just to have that one moment. You don't care about the strokes you just wanted. I was so excited when I heard that while I was listening to these. You know, like the drums here, I don't, I'm not as crazy about. There's sort of like a little disco-y thing going on. But there's, there's, there's something funny in this song. Funny haha or funny in a curious sort of way funny that cracks me up like at one point he's just like says and now we're gonna go to the chorus it's like he had like a placeholder lyric that they were gonna write something over and they just kept it and i just i don't know it cracks me up mm. i think it strikes you as lazy yeah i i, I kind of feel like it's all too cute too meta
Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't convinced you to love the Strokes as much as I have. That's okay. Well, well, it was going to be hard to do in in the little while that we've been sitting here, and I don't dislike the Strokes. This particular song hasn't convinced me because it's 20 years later, or 18 years later, and they haven't come up with a new chord progression. They haven't come up with a new vocal style, and the guitars are still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think this is like a return to a formula that was working for them on those first two albums. Which is a great strategy if, like, you've gotten rock star success and maybe gone too far down that road, and then you need to turn around and come back. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, totally. So, so while it doesn't, just because it doesn't appeal to me right off of the bat, doesn't mean it isn't beautiful or you know nobody should love it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Are there others that you could play on this album? I'd like to hear some others on this album just to see if there definitely is, and we're gonna hear the next one in about ten seconds. The next one we're going to listen to is Bad Decisions. Okay. Also from the same album. So you can't hear this song without knowing what it's... It's not just tipping its hat towards, right? I mean, this is essentially like a mashup of Billy Idol. It's like they took half of a Billy Idol song and then put some new tracks on top of it, right? And or like there's any number of bands from the 90s that would have had a guitar sound exactly like that one, right? Uh-huh. So Billy Idol actually gets a writing credit on this song. Which, oh, right. Makes <laughs> <I see sense. laughs> Yeah. Dancing in the Dark, is that it? Uh, no, I think that- Dancing with Myself. Yeah, yeah, dancing with myself. And there's even a little bit of a vocal stutter that's like the same, uh uh-oh. That's great. (laughs) Play me one more that you think is maybe um, different, a departure from... Because this is all, like, so far we've had six songs that all have the same up-tempo, four different chords, mostly the same chords arranged. The same, the same chord structure. Right. Harmonic rhythm and possibly is the it, same chords. Can you hear what it is? Is it like one, four, one, five, six, four, whatever? I can't. I, I, I can't do it either, obviously. I mean, I can for some progressions, but not can you? any of the, I can yeah. for like a 12 bar blues. <laughs> That's it. All right, so check out Ode to the Mets. We're going to move on. This is the one that I had on the list that I removed because I was trying to keep it short and sweet. <laughs> Sounds like there's a polymeter yeah polymeter thing happening yeah what's that sound like to you 
Is that like, like another synth? It sounds like a 1980s era uh, oboe patch. Huh. But this melody could be from from the early 2000s. Uh-huh. Up on his horse, up on his horse, not gonna wake up here anymore. This time, it's not true. It's just a This one kind of starts somewhere and goes moves along as it goes. Easy to say. And it takes its time. This one's longer. It's 551. Short songs are real tonic after that talk talk thing we did <laughs> yesterday. I can't wait to listen to the playlist for that. I mean, the melodic rhythm is also the same. You know, here's my here's my hypothesis and I will test it independently and get back to you on it but my hypothesis is that (laughs) and and I think that this will also apply when we talk about when we finally dare to talk about Radiohead together Uh, and it is that I I feel like the earliest stuff will have appealed to you and I will have not loved it and I will have found something in the middle of the of the uh, <laughs> progression that I really do love and latch on to that. Yeah, that could be. I, I, I'll bet you that's kind of where we end up. That'd be interesting. So we're going to have to do a follow-up then where Waldron's the tour guide of the middle years. It might only be a five-minute bonus episode. Uh, I'm going to be like, you were false about this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> and here are the good ones. <laughs> Waldron's revenge. All right. So I think I don't know, Waldron. I, I'm I'm prepared to tell you what the very best songs are. So but are you saying it's decided for? I'm saying it's decided for me. It's decided for the Strokes. Yeah, I'm gonna tip my hat to Josh Kennedy, who was the electric guitarist in Space Cake, who encouraged me to check out that second album, okay. which I had. Several songs on. So for me, Room on Fire is the very best Strokes album. Interesting. And I'm going to give 1251 as the very best Strokes song. Okay. Well, it's interesting. You know, I don't think it's the first time that we've declared a sophomore effort to be the very best album. Hmm. I think Mm -hmm. I did that with The Police and maybe other bands as well. And it's unusual because usually the second album, you know, people aren't a fan. Well, Bill, what do you think? Should people get in touch or are we... People need to get in touch to let us know that they're they're listening and enjoying this show. We love it when we hear from the people, the very bestie people. Dude, here's the problem. Is there a problem? There is a problem. And that... Some people are saying that we're wrong. They're calling it, they're saying we're false. And I, don't, I just feel so uncomfortable with that. I'm much better at dishing it out than taking it. So I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. That is a distinction between you and me. I am a glutton for punishment, right? Really? Like, yeah, no. No, no. Don't, <laughs> don't hurt my feelings, whatever you do. <laughs> 
Well, they should get in touch. And if you want to try to hurt my feelings, go for it. I don't give a damn. Twitter, at their very best. That's, he doesn't mean it. That's scar tissue. Instagram, at their very best. Do your worst. Facebook, their very best. <laughs> Email, contact at their very best. But for you, very worsties, false at their very best.com or just corrections at their very best.com. Or you go to our website. You know, I've enabled comments on the website, Bill. And a few on have come of, in. On all of the episodes or select episodes? I think maybe uh, on the ones that have been released since I enabled them. I see. Cool. And then the website, theirverybest.com, has amazing playlists, right? Yeah, definitely check out the playlists. The playlists are such a good time. They're there for, they're on Spotify and Apple Music. Don't expect the truth. And all the tunes we're playing tonight, you can hear them there. And please, please do leave us a review. We really love the reviews. They really help us. The more reviews we get, the more Apple puts us in front of other people and Spotify puts us in front of other people and helps the podcast grow. So if you're listening to this on a regular basis and not leaving us a review... We could forgive that. I mean, it'd be better if they did leave a review, but... No, I'm angry. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Well, hey, Billy, would you read us a review? I mean, do we have an example of some kind of wonderful review that people should read, or are we out of that material? You know, because Amos likes the strokes, I'm going to read his review on this one. What do you think of that? Is it bold? (laughs) I think it is a bit bold, but go for it. I'll get out my editing my editing pen. For, for some reason, I just heard him like cracking up when he was like, oh, you want me to write a review, Dad? Okay. <laughs> um, I'll write a review, no problem. Well, that was a dangerous thing to do because, you know, I know Amos, you know, as well as any other kid that isn't my own, and I wouldn't trust him not to just savagely roast you, especially you, but also me. Yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. That was very trusting of you. Well, here's what he wrote. He wrote under the name Notesy V2, podcast of the Eon, <laughs> which I think was a play on an earlier review by one Waldron Faulkner, which was subject podcast of the decade. So okay. Amos is one upping you here, podcast of the Eon. And here's what he writes. My dad is making me write this review or else he will cut my cell plan. <laughs> This podcast is quite literally art and sound. If this podcast were visual, France and America would go to war just to have it in their art galleries. If this podcast were touch, it would feel like the softest substance in the ever-expanding universe. If this podcast were smell, it would beckon you to sniff it. If this podcast were taste, it would be reminiscent of swiftly baked chocolate chip cookies. In short, I love to lord over this podcast whenever a new episode releases. So, you know... Amos is a punster, and he's referencing... There's several Easter eggs in his review. So, we're going to do more of these, so beware. Watch out! We'll be offering more unsolicited wrong opinions in the near future. I'm Waldron. And I'm Bill. Thanks for listening to Their Very Best. <laughs>